Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, what a time it has been in the past few weeks. Um, <laughs> I had COVID, um, I think. So the episode, I'm recording this uh, a week in advance, so it's going to go up next weekend. Um, but the episode that I just put up this weekend that I'm recording um, was the one I filmed right before I got sick and I was talking all about how I went to the nail salon and it was so fun and um, like I had a great time and we were safe and everything. Um, it's not totally confirmed that I got it from there because we did also go to the grocery store that day, um, but it is quite likely. Um, so yeah, my uh, me and Jason had COVID. Um, I just tested negative, so I can officially say I beat COVID. Um, it was not the best. We were lucky to have had a mild case. Um, did not have a fever. I think the biggest thing was... Um, I was very congested. I still am slightly congested. Um, but that's sort of the biggest thing remaining. Um, I did lose my sense of taste and smell. Fortunately, it seems to have not fully come back, but like significantly came back. I mean, there was like a few days where I literally couldn't eat or I mean, I ate, but like I had to force myself to eat because I just couldn't taste anything. Um, I was also super, super fatigued, like always love a good nap, love a good lion. Um, but this is like, okay, I slept 11, 12 hours. Now I'm awake for two or three hours. You know, I was barely cracking a book a day. Um, so it was a rough time. And I mean, we wear our masks whenever we go outside. We are, we don't, you know, we haven't been to a restaurant, whether that's outdoor dining or indoor dining. We've been doing quite a lot of takeout, but, um, we have seen some friends, um, who we know have been safe and social distancing. Um, fortunately we weren't really in contact with anybody, um, around the time when we most likely got COVID. So we didn't, um, you know, to our knowledge, infect anybody. Um, so that's good. I mean, it's just a crazy time. I mean, we, my dad was at the beginning of November planning to come to, to, um, LA from Boston. Um, we canceled that even before we knew that we had COVID just because, with the rising cases and just he's, you know, older and it's just, it's not safe. Um, normally I go back to Boston every year, um, for Christmas time. We don't really celebrate it, but it's just kind of, you know, I have some time off work. Um, and I like to go back to the East coast to see my family, um, once a year that is not happening this year. So I'm going to, it's going to be over a year since I've seen my parents or my sister, um, or like my one friend, Lindsay on the East coast. Um, <laughs> So it's it's weird. It's a weird time, but um, I beat COVID, and so I'm we're again really lucky to have had very mild cases in the grand scheme of things. Um, so just you know, be careful, guys. Anybody anybody can get it. Um, that's that's the big update. A uh, couple other updates. Uh, we got a ring light, so I uh, the quality of this is definitely going to improve. So uh, no more using a lamp as the tripod. Now we have a full ring light, so that's great. Um, and then if you haven't already, um, check out the interview slash conversation with um, my former professor, Sarah Nielsen. That is going to be linked down below. Um, that was just recorded a week ago. I mean, so I definitely... Was on the tail end of recovery. I had scheduled it before I knew I had COVID. Um, could have rescheduled it. Maybe should have, you know, woke up like an hour before. But it was it was a really good excuse for me to like actually have something to do and like feel energetic and excited about. Maybe that's what spurred my recovery. I don't know. Um, but we talked. Um, Sarah's a Disney scholar. That's kind of her area of expertise and research. Um, so we talked a lot about like Walt Disney's childhood. Um, Jason and I have been watching a YouTube channel called Defunct Land, um, which talks all about defunct theme park attractions and 
such um, primarily Disney, but definitely not entirely Disney. Um, so we talked about some things that I had learned um, in through watching the Defunct Land videos, um, particularly like Splash Mountain and sort of Song of the South and that all that fun stuff. Um, and then a couple of my good friends, Lizzie and Sean, who I actually met um, not in Sarah's class, but in a different film class sophomore year of college. They've become some of my best friends ever since. Um, Sean lives in LA and we still... Um, see each other when we can um communicate all the time love you sean um so that was just really fun to connect with them via zoom and have everybody all together um so a little university of vermont reunion shout out to my alma mater um that will be linked down below definitely check that out if you have not already um and so we're gonna get into the books um maybe the energy is gonna be weird today maybe you won't even have noticed maybe we'll do like some sort of clickbaity like i had covid and beat it um title maybe we won't who knows um um, one more update before we get started. So typically, um, I was writing, so I keep like, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the pod, if you're a friend, uh, you know that I keep track of all my books on Goodreads. That's pretty much the only way I can keep track of everything since fortunately I read everything primarily on my Kindle so it connects directly. Um, but in terms of planning the episodes, um, because I do usually read more than five books a week or sometimes like take a week off in between recordings. So need to have some way to keep track of what I'm reading and, want to talk about. Um, so I was just kind of writing it in a notebook. Um, and then the past few months, I have been really enjoying this book subscription service um, called Owl Crate, where every month they send you um, an exclusive young adult book, um, typically more fantasy stuff, which I'm into. Um, I find that that is kind of where young adult tends to have its strengths. Um, not so much interested in just like the young adult, like romance slice of life stuff as much unless it's really well written um but that's a whole nother episode in conversation um so owl create they send you like a book and they send you some like four or five non like reading and sort of literary themed goodies but not like specifically like harry potter or lord of the rings fandom like some other boxes do and so one of the things that they sent was a reading planner um which i'm going to use a little bit differently like i said like i keep track of what I want to read and reading my books and everything on Goodreads just because it's so much easier. Um, but what's great about this is um, the weekly planner. I can then just kind of keep track of all the books that I want to talk about that week. Um, right now, I don't have like the energy or forewithal to like then take notes and kind of think about what I want to write about in advance. I'm still going to pull up the Goodreads to get all that like fun info. Um, but I think this could be really fun and there's no like specific dates or anything, which is wonderful too. So you can kind of you know, use it for years or it doesn't have to be specifically like a 2020, 2021 planner. Um, it is designed by Neil Gaiman. So um, I don't know if it's something that I necessarily would have like bought for myself if I saw it, but it's something that came in my box and I'm definitely going to use it and it's useful um, and, you know, probably will be making an appearance in some more episodes. So anyways, we are going to get started after all that um, fun little updates. Um, so the first book we're going to be talking about today, um, The Book of Atlantis Black, The Search for a Sister Gone Missing by Betsy Bonner. Um, so this was a really cool book. It was um, sort of true crime, definitely very memoir. Um, Betsy Bonner, the author, her it starts with her sister, Atlantis Black is found dead. Um, and then we kind of go backwards from there, and it's the story of Atlantis's life. Atlantis is very eclectic. Um, she's also, she's mentally ill, but the two are not mutually exclusive. Um, she is a budding musician, sort of a nomadic, uh, wandering traveler. And so Betsy and her mother have constantly had a difficult relationship with Atlantis. Um, Atlantis is not an easy person, um, but towards the end of her life, there's been 
there was quite a few mysteries. Um, she was found dead in Tijuana of an overdose. So Betsy, um, part of the novel is kind of just, or novel, I'm sorry, part of the memoir book, um, whatever, which I guess it's a memoir, uh, nonfiction book. Um, it's really just about her coming to terms with the grief and loss of her sister and sort of also coming to terms with the mysterious circumstances. And, you know, there's some speculation as to whether or not her sister is actually still alive because there was a lot of, it, you know, doesn't become like down the rabbit hole conspiracy, but there are a lot of loopholes and red flags um, or, you know, concerning things surrounding Atlantis's death. Um, so it makes for an investigation, but it also, you know, it's really the book of Atlantis Black. So through her death we're able to remember her life and betsy recounts um her life as best as she can and connecting with um some mysterious people who were in her life um so it's really it's well done it's you know it's ultimately a story of family love and family bonds and you know accepting people no matter what and the lives and the legacies that we leave behind um i think betsy has written some poetry before um so that definitely rings true it's uh it's a prose novel um or you know it's it's not a poetic novel it's not a novel of poems but you can definitely the the words flow beautifully um and take something that could have been you know more sensationalized um but also something that like is potentially a crime either way it's a tragic death of a young woman and um something that needs sort of to be brought more to the forefront as opposed to just like you know another ted bundy documentary or whatever um so there is that one Next, we have Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman. Um, So this is (laughs) considered practical magic point one. Um, So Alice Hoffman is a wonderful, prolific author. Um, She's written quite a few, at least 10 novels, I think. Um, So Practical Magic um, is one of her most famous, which was then turned into a movie. Um, Then there was like a sequel to that, or there was uh, one that I read a couple years ago um, about the the family like after what what happens after practical magic i think or was it before is it like a prequel to practical magic either way magic lessons what we're focusing on is sort of the um the prequel the ultimate prequel the ultimate prologue to the story of practical magic oh yeah it was called the rules of magic um okay huh right okay so the aunts and practical magic or whatever, doesn't matter. We're talking about a different one, Magic Lessons. Um, so Magic Lessons, through Practical Magic, um, it's these are descendants of Salem witches, um, witchcraft in a much more nuanced, not necessarily dark magic, just a sort of like taking energy from the air, from something and putting energy back onto the universe. Um, magic Lessons is kind of a historical fiction novel. I mean, it takes place in the early 1600s. Um, our main character... Um, her name is Maria. Um, she is abandoned in the snow. She's taken in by an older woman in England. Um, and so Maria is kind of the one that Maria Owens begins this curse that none of the Owens women can be loved. Um, I won't give away the spoilers as to how or why that happens, but it's quite a sweeping epic. I mean, Maria goes on this journey from England to New England. Um, she has her own child and raises her. Um, and then she gets to sort of learn, you know, the rules of magic um, and the sort of, you know, establishing what 
the modern witchcraft, at least in, in Alice Hoffman's other novels, sort of establishing the rules for that while being quite historically grounded and um, much more a much more complex understanding of magic and witchcraft as opposed to just like the sort of crucible, like witchcraft equals bad, but like, you know, really the roots and the society and where that came from while still fully being the Owens woman's stories. I mean, it uses all of that as a wonderful backdrop and a vessel to move the plot forward, but it's also really based in the women as fully developed characters and their journey. Um, and so even if you haven't read Practical Magic or any of other of Alice Hoffman's other books, this book um, really just stands alone for anybody who's interested in going back to the past with a little bit of, you know, historical magic and historical realism to an extent, because uh, I'm not convinced that magic doesn't fully exist, but it's sort of, you know, also like much more paganism, ritualistic sort of small miracles that we now understand scientifically um, also could have been considered magic back then. We don't need to go into that, but um, I don't know. It's it's good. Like, ah, ah, on a scale of one to five. <laughs> craziness, craziness, craziness. Okay. Um, our next book that we are talking about is Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. Um, so this is a fiction novel, um, a psychological thriller, um, another sort of familial mother-daughter bond, um, very reminiscent and takes a lot from the Gypsy Rose story. It's about a young girl, uh, Rose Gold, who has, um, her mother has been sort of poisoning her, Munchausen by proxy. Um, her mother's name is Patty. Um, so it's a dual perspective novel. Um, it's very, it's different in the sense that Rose Gold, um, clearly has, a lot more autonomy in this situation. Um, from what I understand about the Dee Dee Blanchard and Gypsy Rose situation, that Dee Dee like really was controlling Gypsy Rose's life and fully brainwashing her. And in this novel, it takes a little more liberty because it's fiction um, with the relationship and the dynamic between the mother and the daughter, like really who's who's manipulating who, who's controlling what. Um, and so Patty is in prison for the abuse that she um, installs upon Rose Gold. And then she gets out of prison and comes back to live with Rose Gold. Um, and so we kind of dovetail with Rose Gold's perspective. It's sort of leading up to Patty getting arrested and that situation. Um, and then Patty's story is told um, from getting out of prison and then how she adjusts to life. Um, and then for a little bit, I like in the beginning of the book, I like wasn't fully sure where it was going to go. It did just kind of feel very like, is this another just Munchausen by proxy sort of like, mother wronged the daughter daughter forgiving but giving the daughter um you know seeing her perspective it's also i mean it's very different than um the movie run that came out i mean because just because rose gold is not necessarily the sort of victim helpless character um that these other girls are sometimes are or portrayed to be um so i don't want to give too much away but there's definitely that psychological thriller component of it i did sort of get a sense to figure out where the story was going but it was still captivating and well written that i didn't feel the need like just because it was kind of knew where it was going it was still enough of a juicy relationship and the it's not always the the what happened but the how and the why so really getting to delve into these two women's psyches um which i mean it definitely passes the bechdel test um so it's, I mean, it's also, you know, it's a thriller. There's Munchausen by proxy. There's infant abuse. So I don't want to say it's not light, but it's definitely, you know, it's not the sort of slash. It's really, again, it's more of an exploration between these two women and what drives people, um, people's behaviors and how do we forgive and or not forgive. Um, so that is that. 
Um, the next book we have is The Beauty of Your Face by Sahar Mustafa. This was a really um, moving, beautiful book. I read it just before I was officially in the throes of the COVID sickness. I'm going to try my best to remember it, but that's why we have Goodreads. Um, so Afaf is our main character. Again, this is a... It's not so much a multi-perspective. It's a multi-linear novel. Um, Afaf moves... Um, her family has just moved to Chicago. Um, she, I think, was born in America um, or born. So they're, they're from Af yeah, Palestine, I'm sorry. And so her older sister, Nada, who I have a friend named Nada, shout out to Nada, um, goes missing in the 70s. And so that we sort of then deal with Afaf and her, I hope I'm saying Afaf, Afaf, um, and her younger brother growing up and the parents have... Um, clearly you know some trauma to go through they're also adjusting to life in america while raising young children um and then that is dovetailed with afaf is now a principal um the head of school uh, um, for muslim girls and right from the beginning of the book and through the description um she actually is um in the midst of a terrorist attack on the school there is a shooter who comes in and um so it's really uh, you know, that part is definitely, you know, sensationalized and ripped from the headlines, but how did Afaf get there? How did the center get there? Um, it's really just a really unique experience of what it's like to be, I mean, I personally don't know, but I've read quite a few books and, you know, I've heard stories and I have friends who were raised by parents who came from a totally different world and wanted to make the best for their children in this new world while still having a lot of customs and traditions, um, that don't, you know, jive with what, is happening here and how do you assimilate and try to fit in um how do you deal with loss when you have a child go missing i mean that's not the main focus of the novel but it's something that permeates throughout a fox's entire life um we also the alt-right shooter we get to know a little bit of his perspective and it, i love how it's it's not all over the place because every chapter is intentional with where it's at in time but it's very intentional with its choices of when to go back in the future and the present and I can just it has a very cinematic sort of tv feel but it's I don't know if it would really work for that because it's such a look into a fast mind both as a young girl and as an older woman and as a to get to know her family uh really well and their quirks and um three-dimensional aspects um so she wrestled as according to goodreads she um it's a profound and poignant exploration of one woman's life in a nation at odds with its ideals um and i think that says it really well um goodreads you, you, you know that's probably just the summary from the back but you did it again um and the last book we have is actually another physical book this is not sponsored by owl crate but would love um if it could be um this is a deadly education by naomi novik um this is a special edition that i bought directly through owl crate so i think the cover is like slightly different um than the normal one there's also um gold edges or overlay a spray which i think is really nice and there's also no jacket which like sometimes i think works and sometimes doesn't i kind of like it without it because um while there can be quite beautiful illustrations it just like add, they get torn and it adds more sometimes you just need a simple book um so a deadly education is a young adult fantasy novel um it's kind of like you know, it has elements of Harry Potter, but, like, what if Harry Potter was just, like, better and written now? Um, I don't want to fully compare it, but there is, um, a school. It's called The Scholomance. Um, it's about, 
our main character, Elle, um, Galadriel. She is studying at the Scholomance School, um, which is kind of like a darker Hogwarts. Um, you complete your education there and then you can graduate and become a wizard. But that's if you live. Um, the Scholomance exists in this like ethereal void. Um, so it's like very abstract, but it also makes sense in the book. Um, and a lot of people die throughout. <laughs> it's a deadly education. It's hard to get your education. There's a lot of demons and, you know, Death Eater type things. They're called, like, Malfeasers and um, monsters and other things. Um, so that's a big part of it. But then again, also, it's Naomi is um, just trying to graduate and make her way through, um, you know, trying to survive. But she also has some special abilities um, and has spent most of her time at the Scholomance being a loner. Um, but then she finds, you know, a crew and some friends. And so she gets, they definitely help her and, you know, she's able to in severely enhance her chances of survival in life. But where it differs from Harry Potter is that Naomi, I'm Naomi's author. Um, Elle is fully like the protagonist and we really stay with her and get to know the other people fully through her eyes. And they're definitely like secondary characters in her story. Whereas like Harry Potter is like, you know, yes, Harry is the vessel and the protagonist, but we don't stay with him all the time. And ultimately like, he's not the best part of the series. And I think that Elle really is, uh, she's feisty. She's sassy. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes. This is just book one of the, uh, the Scholomance number one. So we'll see where else it goes. But I think if you're looking for a new, you know, whether JK Rowling's Harry Potter comments have frustrated you or you still are a diehard fan and you're always into that sort of like fantasy new magic cool thing that's just like better than harry potter you know there's no cho chang or anything like that um check out this one and i do think that owl crate might still have this limited edition copy which also comes with a vinyl pin um i'm starting to like amass a great vinyl pin collection from owl crate because you get one in your box every month um again not sponsored by my love to be um and with that um i'm gonna continue my recovery from covid because while i have tested negative i I'm still not 100%. I mean, I'm worlds away than where I was a week or two ago, but uh, it's a climb, as no doubt a Miley Cyrus would say. Um, so until next week, you know, hopefully we'll get back into the swing of things. And we only missed one week, so it was fine. Nobody cared. Um, until next time, stay reading. Bye.